Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. 2022 was a year for change in Formula One. The season began with a new champion and new challengers eager to take the throne. It seemed at first that House Ferrari of Marinello would walk away with the crown, but as the season wore on, it became apparent. The more things change, the more they stay the same. With four races remaining in the season, Max Verstappen clinched his second consecutive title with Red Bull at Suzuka Circuit in Japan, and Red Bull claimed the Constructors' Championship in Austin. While the Drivers' and Constructors' Championships have been decided, there are still questions left to answer on track in Abu Dhabi. Who will take second place? Red Bull's number two Sergio Perez, or Ferrari Phenom, Charles Leclerc. Can Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes upset Ferrari and finish second in the constructor standings? As we've seen at this track before, anything can happen. Or not. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, everyone, where we bring a sheet mask mindset to the platelet-rich plasma facial-obsessed podium of Formula One racing. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists, Elizabeth Blackstock. Oh, good morning. And Alanis King. Hi, Nolan. I feel like we are at medieval times. That was a really intense intro. Well, thank like you. House Marinello. Yeah. I feel like I'm cheering for my night. <laughs> yeah, you know, I. Uh, <laughs> it was the last race of the season. We needed to set a narrative, get dramatic with it. Uh, was very, if you listen to past gas, I apologize for the intro being so similar, but I actually kind of like it for this show too. So we might keep it. I sound sick. Allergies kick our ass. It happens every year. That's what's going on. I've got a big cup of tea, but I'm good. I'm ready. But I feel like we're all kind of ill. Like I came down with a head cold this weekend, despite not going anywhere or doing anything. The high of the season is over and now we're all like extremely low. Yes. Guys, I want to ask you, how's the book doing? Oh, it's great. I mean, I keep hearing from people. Everyone is so nice about everything. Mm -hmm. They keep messaging me to tell me how much they enjoyed it, like people sending me photos of it. 
It's so exciting, honestly, to see how much people like it. It is a number one bestseller in automotive history on Amazon. We've been we've been holding strong, which is really nice. That the sustained sales are very rare, but it's really nice. And I don't know. I'm just stoked that people wanted to buy it. Are there plans for an audiobook or anything like that? So one is actually in the works, right, Elizabeth? Yes, there is. It should be out at the start of 2023 in the first few months. Hell yeah, that's sweet. All right, Racing with Rich Energy. Make sure you buy your copy right now uh, and support Alanis and Elizabeth. All right. In today's episode, we're talking about the final race of the season, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. But first, let's talk about what else happened this week. So, I mean, it was an interesting week. Mick Schumacher is out at Haas, which I think we all knew. And Nico Hulkenberg, the man everyone begs to come back to F1 until he actually gets there, is in. Wah, wah. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth described it very well. It's like, you know how maybe a restaurant has a seasonal menu and you spend the whole year thinking about the items on the seasonal menu and then you try them when the season comes around and you're like, this is not as good as I thought it was going to oh, be. Oh, no. That is Nico Hulkenberg. He must be like the most likable guy and the utmost professional if teams keep courting him and bringing him back. Listener, if you're new to the show, Nico Hulkenberg despite, has the streak for the most amount of races with no podium appearance. Yes. Not an enviable stat to have. Um, if I'm being honest, I do like Nico Hulkenberg. I've, I've, you know, he's gotten close to that podium a couple times and I've always rooted for him to, to finally get on there because that's not really a stat you want to have, but it is a bit flummoxing when you've got, you know, a lot of formula two talent and, uh, other drivers on other teams like, uh, Daniel Ricardo on the market to go with someone like Nico Hulkenberg. No, I mean, that might sound a little disrespectful against the man, but like I said, he's got a lot of experience. That is something going for him. And uh, again, probably very easy to work with. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Haas team boss, Gunther Steiner, said that Haas is done running rookies. They are no longer a driver development huh, academy. We are getting rid of them, right? And Haas is looking for experience. So... That's why they went to Nico yeah. Hulkenberg. I find this really interesting because Gunther Steiner said similar things in um, 2019. So if you remember 2019, which is the Racing with Rich Energy season, when Rich Energy was the sponsor of the Haas team, Kevin Magnussen, who is currently a Haas driver, he was brought back, and Roman Grosjean, his teammate, they were just like fighting oh, head yeah. on every single week. And Gunther Steiner said we're not going to hire someone new because we want to stick with the experience because our car is so bad that we need we need experience to fix our car. And then, like, a year later, they throw out both of those dudes, Kevin and Roman, and they bring in two rookies, Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. And it's like, okay, now we're a driver development academy. And that didn't work, obviously, so they're going back. And I just find this really interesting. Like, what's Mick going to do? Williams? The Williams team is not an option. They just confirmed that F2 driver Logan Sargent is going over there to race with Alex Albon next American year. American F2 driver. Yes. American. What, what? So there's also chatter going on that Mick could go and be a reserve driver at Mercedes. So that's probably the best choice. Yeah, I see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, going to the team that his dad was at, that makes sense to me. They're a top-level team. They have the skills. They have the ability for Mick Schumacher to work his way up into the team. 
considering that I don't know how much longer Lewis Hamilton will want to race. So that seems probably like the best call as opposed to sitting out for a while. Yeah, I don't think mix out of the sport. Uh, no. It would be a huge, I think, waste. Not only of well, obviously he's got the name, um, but like he, I think we've seen flashes of brilliance from Mick all year, and the Haas is not a good car. I think it's just really hard for rookies to shine in a crap car. I think what I've most enjoyed about Mick is obviously Sebastian Vettel is has kind of been Mick's mentor, and you can see that in how he acts and how he treats human rights and advocating for people and stuff like that. And I think it's so valuable to have a young driver who actually cares about other people. And it's very sad to see him leave. Yeah, totally. Um, Like I said, though, he'll probably be at Mercedes. Uh, Things will work out for him. That being said, Kevin, Kevin Magnuson and Nico Hulkenberg back together. They have not had the kindest history. Not at all. Older fans, you'll remember the uh, suck my balls mate comment between <laughs> both drivers. I, that, was, they, that was after they, they, they had a collision or something like that? or It was in 2017 um, after they had like a little spat. Kevin Magnuson was doing a TV interview and Nico Hulkenberg comes up behind him and says, once again, the most unsporting driver on the grid. And Kevin Magnuson says, suck my balls, honey. (laughs) And it's like, what? Are you serious? And so they swear that they've made up, right? That because, you know, you start you have to start doing damage control a little bit before the announcement comes. So a few months ago, Nico Hulkenberg was like, oh, yeah, we're over it. We're buddies again, whatever. And he said, I actually greeted Kevin the other day. I walked up to him. I said, suck my balls, honey. I believe Uh, it. I believe it. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of uh, a time for healing. I, I believe it. It's been five years. Okay, that's fair. I don't know. I'd hold a grudge. I'd hold a grudge that long. There's athletes out there that are famous for holding grudges their entire careers. But I think F1 is a little different in that, I mean, they've all been in the same social circle their entire life. They go to dinner all the time together. They, like, share private jets and all that kind of stuff. I think, what, Kevin's Danish and Nico is, he's German, correct? Yeah. I think it's all right. But that being said, there is ample opportunity for drama next season. But, yeah, let's move on to our next news story. Daniel Ricardo is officially a Red Bull reserve driver. What do you guys think of this? Well, officially, unofficially, Helmut Marco said that Daniel Ricardo is a reserve driver. However, Christian Horner was like, actually, we haven't signed the paperwork. And Daniel Ricardo was like, actually, it's not confirmed yet, but that's probably, probably where I'll go. That's most likely where I'm going to go. This is like the Porsche thing then all over. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I don't Can we just have a moment of silence for the fact that Daniel Ricardo wanted to get out of the Red Bull system and it all led us full circle back to Daniel going into the <laughs> Red Bull system. RIP, you hate to see it. That is so sad. Also, can we talk about the fact that for some reason Red Bull allows Helmet Marco to go to races? Like and just say thing. Like that man needs a handler more than anyone I've ever known. Okay, but also, why is he there? Like, can someone tell me why Helmet Marco is there? To spread gossip. And he always ends up doing stuff he shouldn't do. He always goes to 
up to like media people and says, yes, we've signed Daniel for next year. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You're just spreading gossip. And this is all he does. Like you always see news stories about Helmut Marco says something ridiculous. What is he doing there? Technically, he is the current advisor to Red Bull and also heads their development program. So if there's anyone to spread rumors about driver changes and things, it would be Helmet Marco, which is generally what he does. He keeps his adversaries guessing. You never yes. watch your enemy to know your next move. Exactly. Muddies the waters. Let's move on to our next news story here. Elizabeth, what do you got? All right. Starting in 2023, Formula One is set to launch an all-female driver category the, called the F1 Academy to help prepare young women to progress to the higher levels of competition, including W Series, Formula Three, Formula Two, and Formula One. It is a spec series similar to W Series, but it is using Formula Four cars, which are the next logical step up from the karting ladder, which is... Basically, the intention is that's the point when a lot of women drop off the grid and quit racing that that jump from karting to open wheel cars. So the unlike the W series, this this series will not be fully funded. Um, the drivers will have to bring one hundred and fifty thousand euros, uh, but that will be matched by the series. However, I've talked to a couple of people about this and it sounds like the more reasonable number for a full season in Formula 4 is about 600,000 pounds or 600,000 euros. They'll get about half maybe of what they need. I, I'm torn about this. They currently do not have any prizes listed, um, which personally I think is the big sticking point for a lot of these championships. W Series was very open and honest about the fact that it provided a $500,000 check to the winner. Um, however, that wasn't really a lot of money. Um, and that's why Jamie Chadwick continued to race in the series. At the other hand, uh, the manager of the new Academy is also the CEO of the company that oversees formula two and formula three. Uh, his name is Bruno Michel. And he said with the F1 Academy, we will prove that female drivers have what it takes to compete at high levels. I'm absolutely convinced that if young women are given the same amount of experience as any other driver, they can successfully make their way through the pyramid, which is a nice sentiment. Um, the series itself will be made up of teams that are subsidiaries of the current formula two and three teams. So it'll be you know, the Formula Academy, say, Carlin or Dan's version, which is, you know, that's good. It sets drivers up for a progression through the ranks, but I'm still extremely skeptical about the whole concept. I mean, I agree. I think I'm skeptical for the same reasons that I was skeptical when the W Series first came out. I think it's just a little odd to put women in their own series. I would prefer to see something like scholarships or supported drivers within existing series because it feels weird when you put women in their own category and you know in practice the w series was pretty cool because it is interesting to see an entire grid of women you know because you're used to seeing an entire grid of men but you have to wonder in reality how much how much impact does that have if they're separated into their own series instead of competing against the men who they will compete against to go up the ranks. 
And you just have to wonder why don't we simply support them in existing series instead of creating the F1 Academy because Academy assumes that we have to like learn things and we have to go to school. And it's like, okay, but why do the girls have to go to school? You know, why can't you just support them in an existing series? It's, it's just all a little weird. And if it has positive impacts, that's great. But it's still, I don't think, the best way to go about it. I just think it's ridiculous that, like, Jamie Chadwick hasn't been picked up by at least a Formula 3 team. I mean, you know, she's won every W Series championship, right? She's clearly a very talented driver. She proved the point of the W Series. She's like, okay, I, I did what you guys want me to do and and still has not been picked up, which I think is just absolutely ridiculous. She's she's very obviously super good. I mean, it sucks that it's not a fully funded series like W Series, but it makes sense considering W Series went out of business, right? Like, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. W Series folded; it ran out of money, um, so it makes sense that they're not trying to avoid that fate. Yeah, <laughs> I have another personal reservation about this one. Um, so, I was in the press conference at Austin for the U.S. Grand Prix where Lewis Hamilton kind of slammed the FIA for doing nothing to help W Series. Um, and just essentially letting the team and the series die. Uh, and then like the next day, Formula One came out and the FIA came out and they were like, hey, actually, we have this new all-women series in the works, just so you know. Um, yeah, uh, Lewis didn't give us time to announce this. Uh, kind of rude on his part. It feels like they were like, oh, crap. We People are upset. We didn't realize it. Yeah. We have to do something. And rather than bail the W Series out, we'll just do our own thing the way we want to do it. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. I guess, yeah, keep a keep a skeptical eye on this one, I guess. But yeah, I think it, all it takes is just one team rolling the dice on someone like Jamie Chadwick, and I think the doors will open, you know. But I agree. someone's got to do we it. Roll the dice on, we roll the dice on plenty of yes, people all the we've time. We've rolled the dice on plenty of, of mediocre pay drivers that suck. Dude, I was, I was playing, um, I've been playing F1 2013, little vintage F1 game. Ooh, but I'm reading nice. some of the drivers' names. I'm just like, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> so sad. What is this guy? Yeah. What's he up to? What's Pastor Maldonado up to? <gasps> I love Pastor Maldonado. Elizabeth is a big fan. Oh, me too. Yeah. You gotta <laughs> love the boy. Like, he was legitimately, in terms of, like, the kindness levels of drivers on the grid, he's the nicest person I've ever met. However, he was just unfortunate at everything he did behind the wheel. <laughs> All right, guys, that's our news this week. Abu Dhabi is the last race of the season, and we've got a lot to talk about. But first, it's our track walk. Yas Island is a headland that was cut off from the mainland of Abu Dhabi by a canal. The constructed island was seen as a blank canvas for developers to mold into a tourist attraction, so in 2006 they decided to do that. The central fixture is the three and a half mile racetrack that would become Yas Marina Circuit. Yas Island is uh, kind of interesting, kind of interesting place. It has a bunch of uh, theme parks on it. There's mm. like the Ferrari Land. Yeah, that's um, right. Ferrari Land. Yeah, there's like a water park. I'm on the Yas Island website right now, actually. Um, it's super weird. Oh, if you're a fan of uh, UFC, um, Fight Island. This is this is the uh, this is where the a UFC Apex is at. Um, same island. They did not create their own island for Fight Island. 
I think every Formula One driver should have to go to Fight Island after the Abu Dhabi race to see an F1 fight. I want to see them punch each other. I do too. I don't know, man. Those hands got to be insured. I bet they are. Alas, the circuit on Yas Island was completed in October of 2009, just in time for that year's Formula One season finale, which was won by Red Bull's Sebastian Vettel. A year later, Hmm. Vettel returned to win his first championship title on the very same circuit. Not every driver has been impressed with it. Kimi Raikkonen made waves when he described the circuit in a very typically Kimi way. And I quote, the first few turns are quite good, but the rest of it is unquote. Can't disagree with that. I love Kimi Raikkonen. The Herman Tilke designed track features 16 corners and a track defining 1.2 kilometer or three quarter mile straight. And as Alana said, the track was originally five and a half kilometers, but shortened a little bit to 5.28 kilometers or 3.28 miles last year to, uh, to make the races more exciting. My suggestion to make the races more exciting is just have Michael Massey there and <laughs> let him kind of roll a dice and decide what we're going to do. My suggestion is that we just cut this track. That's not bad. I hate this track so much. I hate that it's the last one. I hate that it's the season, the season ender. It sucks. Yeah, like it looks fancy enough, but like I mean, you can even not to not to say that my video game experience is the same, but you try this you do you do this track in a game even and you're like this this is hard. It's hard and it's not fun. It's flat as hell. The corners suck. They're literal corners most of them, not even like round. It looks so gaudy and it's just like the epitome like, "Oh, we have this man-made island." Let's make a racetrack. It's it really is like the epitome of like where F one is at these days. Yeah. Where it's just like it's just like over the top. Hey, we have these yachts here too. We'll steal that from Monaco. Or like, look at how rich we are. It just <laughs> it's. I mean, it's terrible. Look. It really is. They should bring back Sao Paulo as the season finale. Yes. Switch them. So here's my suggestion. Um, does Ferrari Land have roller coasters? Nolan. Yes. You were you were yes, researching. Yes, it does. Okay. Um, at so, least has one big roller coaster on that's website. It says it's got more than 40 rides and attractions, but there's probably okay. like four rides. That's perfect. So put the entire grid on a roller coaster at Ferrari land and put it on a continuous circuit and they can have like a little red button that they push when they can no longer stay on this roller coaster. Mm. All right. And they have to get off. The person who stays on the roller coaster the longest wins the Abu Dhabi race. Put the whole track on a roller coaster, Mario Kart style. That's what yes. I say. Elizabeth, Elizabeth understands where I'm going with this. I do. Like, put them all on the roller coaster. Yes. They're gonna puke. They're eventually gonna have to go to the bathroom. See who lasts the longest, and it is a duel of endurance. Like, I'm gonna be honest. I don't understand why we're not using this this theme park that we have. This F1 themed theme park that's literally right next to the track. Why is that not a regular promotional item when it comes to like coming into this race? Because I don't it's understand not. It. Because the roller coaster's indoors. You can't see it. It's covered by the giant Ferrari building. Well, they can. They can. Okay, that's fine. They can still stick a camera in there. I know, but like, it's not like it's not like Suzuka or like some of these other tracks where there's like a Ferris wheel in the distance, which is super cool. It's like, hey, you know how roller coasters are usually pretty sick looking and famously outside. What if we didn't do that? <laughs> I just want a helmet cam of on Charles Leclerc as he navigates this, this little yes. Ferrari land. <laughs> and that's our track walk. Let's get some context of the season going into the final race. Elizabeth. 
The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot so both the Constructors and Drivers Championships are locked down. So it was pretty tense for everyone else on the grid. Ferrari's Charles Leclerc and Red Bull's Sergio Perez were tied at 290 points for second place in the World Drivers Championship. And Mercedes was trailing Ferrari for second in the World Constructors Championship by only 23 points. We've been watching McLaren and Alpine trade places for fourth in the World Constructors Championship all season. And going into Abu Dhabi, Alpine led McLaren by only 19 points. Behind them, Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin were in sixth and seventh, respectively, with only five points between them. Then in eighth, Haas was two points ahead of Alfa Tauri, which is Red Bull's junior team. In Saturday's qualifying, uh, it was pretty run-of-the-mill. The top six places were taken by Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes. Love a good uh, three-by-two, as I call it. Um, Sebastian Vettel qualified in ninth place, which is great for his last qualifying of his career, considering the car he has. And Daniel Ricciardo qualified 10th, though he has penalized three grid places for causing a collision in Brazil. Um, This was the first Red Bull 1-2 start since Mexico in 2018. Uh, So good for them. They were looking to pull off that 1-2 finish so they could get a 1-2 in the driver's standings. Let's see if they did it. But first, we got to talk about our beautiful adult son, Sebastian Vettel. He did so well in his last race. It was his 299th start in Formula One and his 300th entry because he unfortunately did not start the 2016 Bahrain Grand Prix. If only he had, that would have been a nice round number. Nevertheless, Vettel and Daniel Ricciardo were duking it out, trying to get into 10th place for that last point. Uh, Lewis Hamilton ultimately retired from the top 10. So after after Lewis retired from the top 10, both moved up into the points. So Ricardo was in ninth, Vettel was in 10th. They really tried to kind of go after each other. It was a good race. Unfortunately, it did not work out. But nevertheless, Sebastian Vettel did get his last point in his last race. Uh, he did donuts after the race, which was so nice. 
Uh, the top three finishers of the race did their donuts, and then Vettel kind of came around slowly afterward and did his own. Unfortunately, Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso had mechanical issues, and so they couldn't join him, which they were going to do, which is also so extreme. <laughs> it's so sad. I'm kind of glad that Vettel got the track to himself, honestly. Like, that was that was kind of sweet. But yeah. also, I would have liked to have his pals doing things with him. But uh, after the race, they were interviewing him, and he said, I feel a bit empty which again is the saddest thing I've ever heard. I don't necessarily know that it's, you know, this whole thing has sunk in for him. I know a couple of races ago, he was talking about the fact that like he wasn't totally fully grasping that he was retiring soon. Uh, and I think it really hit after Suzuka, which is a track he absolutely loves. Um, it was kind of sad to see that. Uh, unfortunately, we also have multiple other drivers who had their last race at Abu Dhabi. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, who we've talked about, Mick Schumacher, and Nicholas Latifi. Schumacher and Latifi actually had, they collided uh, and had these beautiful synchronized spins. It didn't affect the race, shockingly. Like, Latifi didn't hit a wall, which everyone was kind of expecting. However, it it was just, it was actually kind of fun to see. Um, and the saddest part actually about Mick Schumacher is that he attempted to do donuts after the race and the team came on the radio and told him not to do that. And he said, okay, love you too. Uh, no one, no one got on the radio to congratulate him or acknowledge that it's his last race. Not a single person. Uh, it was the most depressing thing. Like Mick gave his little thank yous to the whole team and no one responded. Like that's that's harsh. They did him dirty. What is the deal? I all I know is that they don't they're not getting along. But what is the deal? Like why do they hate each other so much? What what happened? What fell apart? Like what happened? even even when Kevin Magnuson and Roman Grosjean were fighting with each other all the time and Gunther Steiner was mad at them. He at least had some like affection for them. But here it just seems like there's none. Like almost just hatred, not not hatred, but like an active dislike of one another. It's really upsetting. I just don't get it. I don't understand. It's so weird. Maybe we'll find out and drive to survive. Yeah, maybe, maybe. In other news, Lewis Hamilton didn't win a race in an F1 season for the first time in his 15-year career. Very sad about this one. Uh, yeah, Hamilton had a tough race after buying all the drivers dinner last week. Uh, on lap one, Lewis immediately pulled up into fourth place, passing Carlos Sainz. But then at turn six, he went off track and eventually had to give the position back to Sainz. Um, also, probably destroyed his under tray by hitting a curb and flinging the car into the air. It was lucky it wasn't at a higher speed. There probably would have been more uh, elevation on the front and damaged the car more. Um, on lap eight, Sainz pulls ahead of Lewis yet again. And by the ne next lap, uh, Mercedes teammate George Russell overtook Lewis after being told he was free to race. By lap 13, Hamilton had two track limit warnings and he radioed in, quote, there's something up with the car, something up with the car, mate. And again, it's probably that under tray, the floor damage, not giving him enough ground force aerodynamics hamilton boxed at lap 19 switch up his tires but also told his teammates that he thinks the floor is broken by jumping the curb in lap one very good detective work lewis around lap 40 
Hamilton said, don't leave me on a one-stop race, man. Uh, he did not want a repeat of last year's fiasco. Um, still had a fun battle with Perez around laps 45 and 46. Then at lap 48, asks if it's too late to stop. And Mercedes told him he'd come out in sixth place. Uh, at lap 52, Lewis officially gets a black and white flag for track limits, giving him the penalty. Then two laps writ later, he radioed in to say, we should have stopped, man. And uh, then he's forced to retire the car at lap 56, two laps before the end of the race. Certainly a race to forget for Lewis Hamilton. This was Mercedes' first mechanical failure of the season. Um, kind of fitting, I guess, for this car. Been a big problem for the team for almost three quarters of the season. Uh, had a lot of porpoising issues. Just their de design philosophy was not the way to go with uh, these regulations. Hopefully they can switch it up next year and uh, we'll see some more fighting at the front for the Mercedes duo. It seemed like they were almost able to pull back a recovery at the end of the year, but yeah, it just didn't happen for yeah. him. Lewis Hamilton finishes out his season sixth place in the driver's standing. I feel like the translation of Lewis Hamilton's radio messages is he ends a sentence with mate when he still has hope. And he ends yeah. a sentence with man when he's decided that we're done. Yes. Like, mm. we need to stop, mate. We need to stop, mate. We should have stopped, man. We should have stopped, man. Yep. I've never noticed that. I think you're totally, yeah, I think you're totally correct. As much as things change, they also stay the same. The race was really Ferrari versus itself. In spite of everything, Ferrari got second in the Constructors' Championship, ahead of Mercedes, and Charles Leclerc got second for the Drivers' Championship, ahead of Sergio Perez. Um, this was kind of the big fight going into the final race of the season. It was, is Sergio Perez going to get second, or is Charles Leclerc going to get second? Because, you know, Red Bull wants to get first and second in the Constructors' Championship, but also first and second in the Drivers' Championship. That would have been cool. But, you know, we had we had some drama last week where we asked Max Verstappen, hey, can Checo get a few extra points? And Max said no. That ultimately probably affected us a little bit here. Um, so on lap 11, Ferrari radioed Carlos signs and said, the pace is good. The tire degradation is lower than expected. And Carlos signs responded, I don't agree. <laughs> love Which it. Which I love. Like, these men are so sassy. Um, Lap 44, Charles Leclerc says, so we're, we're talking about if we're going to do another pit stop. Charles Leclerc says, I don't think I will come back if I box. Basically, you lose about 22 seconds when you take a pit stop. And he's saying, I don't think I will make that up. Ferrari says, we think we're going to get overtaken at the end anyway. <laughs> Which is classic Ferrari this season because Ferrari the entire season has been we're going to start first and we're going to target a finish of fifth somehow <laughs> for some reason, for no reason at all. We're just going to finish fifth. Lap 50, Charles Leclerc's radio says, we need you to increase tire saving at turn three. He responds, yeah, leave me alone, please. Thank you. <laughs> Which is so relatable. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. In addition, Ferrari has, you know, there's some drama with what's going to happen with the team principal. So Mattia Bonotto, who we all know and love to make fun of, there's been gossip that he won't be at Ferrari next year because this season was kind of a disaster for them. The current rumor is that Bonotto will be replaced by Alfa Romeo team principal Frederick Vasseur in 20, 2023. 
And when asked about this, Charles Leclerc deflected. He said, there are always rumors surrounding Ferrari. We just have to focus on the job, which is beautiful. I don't know who wrote that for him before he went into the interview, but that was wonderful. And Fred Vesser was doing an interview and he was asked about this as well. And he said, I won't say anything. You'll find out soon enough. Very cryptic. Spicy. Very cryptic. So as we rounded out this race, our top three were Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, and Sergio Perez. Fastest lap went to Lando Norris, of all people. Uh, Sebastian Vettel took an overwhelming driver of the day. And as far as our DNFs go, Fernando Alonso retired around lap 29 with water leakage and Lewis Hamilton Mm -hmm. at lap 56, uh, thereby ruining their chances of saying goodbye to Sebastian Vettel with donuts. Yeah, very sad. Charles Leclerc got second in the World Drivers' Championship, beating Sergio Perez by three points. Ouch. And this really hurts, especially because, you know, we've had these discussions among Red Bull where they're like, we're not fighting. We don't hate each other. Max will do what it takes to let Checo pass and get these points. And kind of the most we got, the most concession we got from Max during the race was him giving advice to Checo, who was behind him. Like, oh, Checo, your tires are fine. Send it. And I thought that was really beautiful. Max was like, I'm going to be a team player in words. But that's it. And that's wonderful. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, he was so far ahead. I didn't expect him to slow down. But absolutely not. that really could have uh, turned his reputation around, I think, had he done that. I was wonder- As I was watching, I was like, I wonder if he does it. Like, I think people would really uh, flip their opinions after last week's uh, fiasco. If you had done something like that. But I mean, again, the circumstances just weren't there. No, they weren't. Um, behind Charles Leclerc and Checo in the Drivers' Championship were George Russell with 275 points, Carlos Sainz with 246, and Lewis Hamilton with 240. Lando Norris got seventh, Sebastian Vettel and Daniel Ricciardo tied for 11th with 37 points, and Mick Schumacher and Yuki Sonoda tied for 12 points in 16th. Hell yeah. And as for the World's Constructors' Championship, Ferrari beat Mercedes to second with a difference of only 19 points. Alpine won the best of the rest, fourth place with 167 points, with top competitor McLaren in fifth. Alfa Romeo managed to beat Aston Martin by only five points for sixth and seventh, respectively. And Haas beat AlphaTauri for eighth by only two points. And uh, Williams, they, um, they did their best. They got points. Man, what a season. Uh, it started out so strong and then really uh, became a, once it became apparent that Red Bull was going to kick that ass once again. Um, eh, I don't know. There's some good races in there, some good moments, but definitely not, not, not the same, not to the same cal- caliber as last season, obviously, mostly thanks to Ferrari's strategy and car. You know, I really feel for Charles Leclerc and, and Carlos Sainz, uh, Hopefully Ferrari can come back next year with a with a more potent vehicle. Um, and same for Mercedes. I would love to have a three-way fight. You know, it doesn't happen very often. It's usually one or two teams that really dominate the rest of the field. But a three-way fight, when that goes down, it's, it's something to behold. So hopefully we get that very soon. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Maybe Jensen Button can come back for some reason. Anyway, <laughs> it's time for Boyfriend of the Week. It's where we acknowledge who's the best. It can be anybody, guys. It can be driver, car, moment, team lead, anyone online with a hot take. Who's good enough to be our boyfriend this week? Remember, it's middle school rules. It's for the week only. 
Uh, I guess I'm going to lead off. Okay. Sebastian Vettel, my boyfriend of the week, finishes his last race in the points, does a sick donut. Um, and, you know, I'm really, I'm really sad to see him go. You know, I didn't start watching F1 until 2014, so it was a little bit after the, the dominant heyday of Sebastian Vettel. I think when I started mm-hmm. watching, he was on Ferrari. I think we had just moved to Ferrari of all teams. Um, so I didn't really get to witness that in real time, his dominance, but you know, I, I am sad to see him go just with everything he's done, bringing real awareness. I want to say to, mm-hmm. to, uh, for social justice issues, wearing rainbows in countries where gay people are brutally oppressed and bringing, bringing more eyes to the very real th- threat of climate change and everything like that. I really admire the man and I'm, I'm sad to see him go. I am too. I agree. Uh, I'm picking Mick Schumacher as my boyfriend of the week because someone needs to tell him he did a good job this year. So it's going to be me. I'm sorry it couldn't be Gunther Steiner. I'm sorry it couldn't be anyone else on the team, but I will do it. I will I will take this on. Thank you, Mick Schumacher. We appreciated having you again because you were one of the only young drivers to go out of your way and promote those social justice causes and to be a nice person and... Uh, hope to see you back soon. Okay, so my I had two boyfriends of the week because I knew they were going to be popular. And I was like, I'm going to pick whichever one is not picked. So one of them was Mick Schumacher because mm. Mick Schumacher, you did do a good job. My other one, my Sebastian Vettel's father, Norbert. That man, he had the time of his life at this final race, at Sebastian's Vettel, Sebastian Vettel's retirement race, this man was dancing around. He was so cute. He was so proud of his son. Good for you, my guy. I hope y'all have the best lives. Have a great retirement. All right. Well, that, that wraps it up. Next episode is going to be a season recap where we're going to pick our boyfriend of the season. It's a very big decision, guys. I, I, I actually mm-hmm. have to do some research, some homework for this one because I – it's going to be a hard decision to make. I'm not going to choose a McLaren driver, I promise. <laughs> Unless my research dictates that I do so. <laughs> Nolan's, Nolan's going to be like, Lando Norris, didn't he finish like he finished, third yeah, or something? He did and we're going to be like, and we're going to go, no, Nolan, he didn't. Well, hey, and Nolan's going to go, dang it, I got to go find Norris, somebody else. Lando Norris, the only uh, driver not on a top team to finish on the podium this season. So, yeah, I mean, Ooh. there you go. Maybe it's a little... Okay. Maybe. All right, it's always going to be Lando. He's it is ready. always Lando. Let's get his excuse Put him in my pocket. Put him in my pocket. Wow. All right. <laughs> All right, fellas. Thanks for listening to the Donut Racing Show. If you want more episodes of the show, please subscribe, tell your friends, tell your enemies, leave us a five-star review and a kindly word of note. It really helps us out. In the meantime, we have two episodes left this season before we take a little break for the holidays. That's right. With drivers like Daniel Ricciardo, Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher, and Nicholas Latifi off the grid next year, F1's going to look a lot different. And so will DRS. We've got some fun stuff cooking for y'all, so don't miss it. That's right. I want to thank everybody who's listened so far this season. I know we started about halfway through the F1 season, kind of truncated release schedule. We only released after race weekends, but we're looking at a more regular uh, episode release schedule next season. And as far as this season goes, we'll have two more episodes. I want to thank everyone who's listened to the show, who's recommended the show to their friends and for just supporting us because I've wanted to do something like this for a long, long time. We're still figuring it out. 
But again, thank you for listening. In the meantime, if you're not familiar with Donut Media, we also have a YouTube channel as well as another automotive history podcast called Past Gas. My voice usually sounds better than this. I also want to apologize for that. I don't know what's going on. Also, Alanis and Elizabeth wrote a little book called uh, Racing with Rich Energy. It's about the Haas F1 team and the Rich Energy drink, which I've had. It's It was quite good. RIP. Uh, you can buy it wherever books are sold. Keep that book on the number one bestseller list. Follow DRS on Twitter at Donut Racing Show. Follow Alanis at Alanis and King on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Liz at Eliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Eliza Blackstock on Instagram. You can follow me on both platforms at Nolan J. Sykes. I don't know how much longer I'm going to have that Twitter account, though. I'll let you know. Anyway, thank you very Ouch. much for listening to the show. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.